Today is Thursday, July 6, 2023. This is the Quick Start Podcast from CBN News. I'm Billy Hollowell. A federal judge just offered a scathing rebuke of the U.S. government in a new development in the tragic University of Idaho murder case. We'll have these top stories and more on today's podcast, News from a Christian Perspective. As always, you can subscribe to the show, give us a rating, and hey, be sure to share it with a friend. If you want to send us your thoughts, our email is quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. You can also head over to cbn.com slash quickstartpodcast. Joining me now is Trey Goins-Phillips. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. The what? We're toward the end of the week of 4th of July. So, I know. you know, all the candy, the patriotic candy, all that stuff is on sale. This is the time to go and get all the, all the sugar, all this. Stuff. All it's the like sugar. after Valentine's Day, you know, all the candy is discounted. Yeah. Five minutes after the holiday ends is the best time to get the holiday candy. <laughs> the right? fall decorations have gone up in all of the stores because Christmas is almost here. There were, there really? were back to school, back to school things in the store the other day. I was right. like, Mike, you finished school a week ago, please. I was going to say in Target and Walmart, I'm seeing back to school and even fall decorations going up, like slow down. It is the, it's the middle of summer. I mean, you want to put a Christmas tree up? Fine. I'll allow that, but nothing else. Nothing else. Right. Um, right. Well, listen, on today's main thing, we are going to have Christian actor Ashley Bratcher talking about how she chooses the movies she works on, including her latest film, Finding Faith. That film deals with relationships, restoring marriage, and searching for God in the midst of life's ups and downs. So we'll have that. But first, we want to get into the news in 90 seconds. A federal court in Louisiana has handed down a major temporary ruling in a lawsuit that has been called a blow to censorship. U.S. District Judge Terry Doty issued a 155-page preliminary injunction Tuesday that forbids several officials of the Biden administration and federal agencies from communicating with social media companies. The judge said the Biden administration very likely violated the First Amendment by censoring some viewpoints in online posts. He cited substantial evidence of a far-reaching censorship campaign and wrote, quote, evidence produced thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario during the COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty. The United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian ministry of truth. The judge's ruling listed several government agencies, including the Department of Health and Human Services and the FBI. There are, of course, exceptions when it comes to national security to this injunction and also criminal activity. In other news, there's a new development in the tragic University of Idaho murders that rocked the nation last year. The school is planning to tear down the off-campus home where four students were killed last November, and this is actually attracting some frustration from the victims' families. The families want the home to remain standing until the end of the trial of accused killer Brian Koberger. Now, the attorney, Shannon Gray, this is an attorney representing victim Kaylee Goncalves's family said that the university asked for the family's opinions and input and then, quote, proceeded to ignore those opinions and pursue their self-interests. The university wants the home, and this house was given to the school by its owner. They want it demolished before students come in for the fall semester. University of Idaho President Scott Green has called the decision to demolish the school home a healing step to help move forward. It's unclear when the building is scheduled to be torn down 
down. But one thing that's important to note, the attorney, Gray, he made another important note here about the home, that the families want to wait to demolish it until after the trial, just in case the defense, the jurors, or the prosecution need the home where those murders occurred for the processes of that trial. And finally, a Texas woman is being honored after more than 70 years working at a local department store. She never once missed a day of work or called in sick. It's pretty incredible. Her name is Melba Nabine. She's 90 years old, and she started her career in 1949 as an elevator girl. She then moved on to other areas of the store and finished her career working in the cosmetics department. Here's the thing, though. She's far from a mere employee. She was called the heart of the store. People absolutely loved her over the course of the 74 years that she worked there. James Sains, who is the store manager of Dillard's, he praised his former employee who recently retired and pondered how many lives she touched over the years. He said, quote, she's not just a salesperson. She's a mother. She guides you. She gives you advice on life. She's amazing. As for Melba, when she was asked to give advice to young people, she said, quote, come to work. Never see it as a paycheck. Stay where God planted you. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check them out and more over at cbnnews.com. Now, Trey, I have to ask you, what do you make of Melba? I mean, she never missed a day of work. Yeah, I think that's incredible. But I, I've missed a day or two of of work uh, for sure when I've been uh, when I've been sick. So I'm trying to think like to to have a a job for that long and to work that consistently and never take a sick day is just kind of uh, incredible in and of itself. But um, yeah, I think her testimony is really important. I think one that we can all learn something from because. Um, there are times I think in all of our lives when we feel like what we're doing is really mundane or not making a difference or not benefiting anybody's life. Um, and the reality is it is right. We don't know how we're impacting people and the difference we're making in, uh, in the lives of those we come across. So uh, it's a good reminder, her story to stay true to who you are, to st- stay true, obviously to scripture and to, you know, put your nose down and, and, and move forward in the, in the place that God has you. Yeah, I love that line, stay where God planted you. I mean, this is somebody who started operating the elevator at the store, and you know, she was a single mother um, during her story, during her time working there. And you look at that and you say, man, God puts us in all different places, and our job is to do the best in the position that we're in and to honor him. And she clearly did that. You can see everybody praising her. Um, even the Dillard family knew who she was. I guess when they would wow. come into the store, they would they would always call her in to work that day to make sure she was there because they loved her so much. And so you can have an impact no matter where you are. Um, I, I love that. And I have to also mention, you know, this this poor family in the University of Idaho, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like one thing after another. And you see both sides of that discussion, why they would want the house gone. And you also, though, I mean, part of me says, okay, well, why wouldn't you wait until after? What if there is evidence or other things that are needed for some reason during that trial that you would need the structure for? I, I don't know. Yeah, it seems pretty clear to me that the house needs to stay until after the trial is wrapped, until everything is done, just because logistically, you know, what if uh, on the off chance something happens and you do destroy something that could have been evidence or could have been, uh, you know, the smoking gun uh, in in a situation? So, yeah, I think that certainly is, is problematic. But I also understand the school's perspective, too, right? They don't want to get uh, they don't want to get students back onto campus and have this 
haunting presence of this structure still being there. So I, I completely understand where the school is too, but I just think legally, logistically, it makes more sense just to wait, like leave the leave the house until the trial is over, and then demolish it. Either way, I think this the house needs to go. It's just a matter of when. Right, exactly. It's just a matter of when. I think the alarming part is that you know you're looking at I, I believe it's August 21st is when the students come back, right? So if they want it gone before that, that's not much time uh, to no. leave it up. The trials, I'm assuming, going to be nowhere near over by then. So right. uh, we'll have to continue monitoring that one. Uh, but this brings us to our focus story today, Trey. And this one is really interesting. Ben and Jerry's is sparking controversy over its July 4th social media post while all of us were out there, you know, having barbecues and celebrating America's birthday. What was the brand saying? Yeah, so talk about a, uh, a buzzkill. Um, so uh, on the 4th of July, uh, Ben and Jerry's decided to post this message on Twitter. Uh, this 4th of July, it's high time we recognize that the U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. Uh, then they gave a link and said, learn more here and take action now, uh, along with a graphic of a person holding up a, it's a cartoonized uh, picture of a person holding up a, a, a sign that says this is stolen land in front of fireworks. Uh, so certainly a less than celebratory post to put up while, like you said, everybody else was kind of outside eating hamburgers and hot dogs and you know playing cornhole or in the pool or at the beach or whatever. Uh, this is This is how Ben and Jerry's was celebrating the holiday. Uh, it seems to take a lot. Uh, well, I'll stop there. It seems to take a lot of effort to go this route on the fourth and not to honor the country, right? You could still have your issues with history, but right. what a strange time to choose to do this. Um, this, I'm assuming, this is not the first time, and I think I know the answer to this that they have taken such a controversial stance. Yeah, well, I want to say too. Particularly, it seems like it wouldn't be difficult to post something when you know that you're probably as an ice cream company, a quintessentially American ice cream company, you're probably making quite a bit of money on 4th of July, right? Americans are going out and buying ice cream for their cookouts, their parties, whatever. Uh, and Ben and Jerry's, at least in my mind, is one of the first companies I think of because they're kind of an American fixture when it comes to uh, dessert. So it just seems kind of like a tone deaf thing to do on, on numerous levels. One, of course, because uh, they wouldn't be here without a capitalistic society that we've created here in the United States. Uh, and two, they earned they earned quite a lot of money, I'm sure, uh, on the Fourth of July. So, but yeah, this is not the first time that they have gotten themselves uh, in hot water. Uh, as CBN News reported, actually last summer, a federal judge had to step in and issue a ruling against Ben and Jerry's after the company tried to block its parent company Unilever uh, from moving forward with a deal to sell its ice cream in the West Bank and uh, Eastern Jerusalem. So it was the areas are biblical Samaria and Judea. Uh, ben and Jerry's, owned by you know, kind of left leaning uh, a left leaning group, uh, argued that at the time that Unilever tried to sell its products to a local Israeli company, they said that that violated their core values of social activism. Uh, a judge stepped in and said, really, you, you can't do that. It's not harming your reputation uh, for them to sell your products over there with a different name, different branding, uh, whatever. And then at the time, in kind of retaliation, Ben and Jerry said that they will no longer sell their products directly in, quote, occupied Palestinian territory. Uh, so they're kind of known for taking pretty leftist stance on these social issues. So this isn't a surprise that they went this route on, uh, on July 4th either. 
Yeah, well, and and I saw some of the uh, responses from people saying, "Well, you should give yeah, your land up first. <laughs> yeah, you should give your company headquarters up first. Then, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's not gone over maybe as well as they had assumed. Uh, then again, you know, you don't do something like this unless you're looking for some attention. I, I think, you know, right. I, right. I, I kind of think that with these stories is when we're covering them, we're a news organization, so we need to cover this to an extent. But I think, uh, are they really just doing it because then they know that they're going to get a free advertisement on a podcast? <laughs> right. And here we are talking. Right. I mean, I think you clearly, you're looking to make a splash when you do this sort of thing. And so, yeah. well, congratulations, Ben and Jerry's. You have made a splash. Um, and probably lost a few customers too. So, Yeah. Especially in the era of all these protests, right? Target and Disney. And I mean, it's like, right. are you yeah. trying to bring in more or less money? I don't, I don't know, but well, that brings us to our main thing. And, you know, in today's contentious culture, marriage is under attack. I mean, this is not a secret. We see this happen again and again. And Ashley Bratcher, who is known for her role in 2019's Unplanned, she sat down with Trey to talk about using entertainment to elevate positive messages and to promote biblical morals, something we don't often see in Hollywood. And this includes God's design for marriage as a union between one man and one woman for life. She talked about that issue, her own faith, and her upcoming projects for today's main thing. Ashley Bratcher, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm very happy to be here and talking to you again. Oh, it's great to see you. Always good to talk to you. You have a new movie coming out, uh, Finding Faith. Tell me a little bit about the backstory, what that movie's about and how you got involved. I think this is my seventh project with Pure Flix. Okay. I've had a really great run working with them and I'm really intentional with my career now. And mm -hmm. I wanna make sure that the projects I'm doing have meaning and impact on people's yeah. lives. So Finding Faith is interesting because she is a faith advice columnist who is having a crisis of faith. Mm. And all of these letters are coming in and people are asking for guidance on their walk with Christ. Yeah. And she's at a point in her life where she doesn't have the right answers. Her marriage is falling apart. She's on the brink of having a major career change and her mother passes away. And so she goes back home to sort her life out and rediscover her faith and try mm. to figure out what her next step is in life and her marriage. And she is very vulnerable. I think this is a movie a lot of people are gonna be able to relate to because sometimes I think people expect as a Christian to have their life together and everything be perfect. And that's not the case. Yeah. As a Christian, we face a lot of trials in our life and it's nice to be able to see someone struggle and rediscover their faith. Yeah. What was it that drew you to this project in particular? What, like, what do you pull from in your own faith story as you're bringing it into this character for Finding Faith? When I started reading the script, I immediately thought of a lot of friends and family who have experienced similar things to yeah. Victoria. And I wanted to be able to do something for them personally, to be able to show them that what you're going through, you're not alone. So I thought of my friends and family immediately. But then I also thought about this kind of hookup culture that's happening right now and how marriage has become somewhat disposable. Yeah. And to be able to see a couple learn to fight well was something that I wanted to put out there because there's not a ton of movies about reconciling marriage, yeah. at least not in a long time. I mean, I know that Fireproof happened several years ago, but this is a movie about a woman who is taking control or trying to take control of her life and figure it out and really learn to fight well. Yeah. I think that we all, we always um, think of fighting in a negative way, 
but there's a good fight to be yeah. had. And I like that about this movie. Yeah, you know, I think that you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. I think where our culture is right now, there's this constant attack on the nuclear family, mm -hmm. on marriage, on these traditional biblical values. Why do you think it's important as an entertainer, as an actor, to step into these tough issues and address them from the side of, of entertainment, uh, rather than just being out there speaking? That has its place, but the entertainment can reach people in a way that other other mm -hmm. medias can't, or mediums can't. Yeah, absolutely. I think m movies impact culture so much. I mean, you think about movies that you remember from your childhood and how they influence who you are today. Being able to tell a story like this and allow people to see the raw and vulnerable parts of someone who is a Christian, their life is a way to draw in people and help them understand that God is still good even when bad things happen, that He is still with you and He is working things for your good when you seek Him. Yeah. If you're seeking His will, then He is He's going to be there with you. And it might not look like it in the moment. His timing is sometimes very different from our own. But I want people to understand that journey. And like you said, media can reach people in a way that other things can't. So people will be able to relate to it, I think. And the whole idea of the traditional family values, right, and the nuclear family, like you said, there's a lot of peace in, in that. Uh, and I think what people don't understand is that marriage is good yeah. and a biblical marriage is even better because you learn how to put Jesus in the center and it's about serving each other. I think a lot of times in this culture we're taught to be selfish and that shows up in relationships. But when you learn to serve the person that you love, it builds more intimacy and you can have beautiful, peaceful marriage even yeah. with bumps along the way and have a really fulfilling life with a partner to go on the journey with. You know, a lot of people, the first time they were exposed to you as an actor was when they saw Unplanned. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've said, you said earlier in our conversation that you're really selective now with the kinds of projects that you take on. Mm -hmm. uh, and I see you kind of as an activist as well <laughs> as an actor. Uh, was that something you always envisioned, like, like really taking on these big issues of our culture? No, not at all. I don't think any actor goes into it. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't know any actor who was like, I want to play an anti-abortion activist. Like <laughs> I was not on the dream role list. Um, but it changed my life and it shifted my perspective because I learned that movies did have a very impactful way of reaching people. Yeah. And as a mother and a wife, if I'm going to leave my family, it's important to me that the movies I make are going to reach people and have a positive influence in their life. And I've become more selective and intentional. Intention has become a very important word to me. Yeah. And I want to be able to make sure that I'm putting good out in the world. And whether that looks like a movie about marriage or showing people the sanctity of life or um, helping expose corruption, yeah. those are the kind of movies I want to make. Yeah. And I want to ask you just a little bit about Pharma, a project that you're working on. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why that was something you were interested in tackling? Because that's also talking about corruption. That's a hot topic and a really big, big, messy story you're tackling. It is. What I love about Pharma, though, is it's a true story about a woman in the 1960s who worked at the FDA and was brave enough and courageous enough to stand up to the powers that be and say bad things are happening. Mm. There's a lot of corruption. Big Pharma is bribing the FDA to pass drugs through. And there's a drug in particular called thalidomide that was damaging lives. Babies were being born without arms and limbs. They had internal injuries or there were miscarriages happening. And in her research, 
she found that out. It was happening all over the world and they were trying to just speed it through in America. And she kept saying to the pharmaceutical company, you don't have enough evidence to prove that this is safe. Yeah. And they kept giving her information that she knew was not true. And when she found out that this bribery and corruption was happening within these two entities, uh, she went to the Washington Post eventually and exposed the whole thing. JFK awarded her one of the highest civilian honors. It's in our history books. Yeah. Well, it's not in our history books, but it should be yeah, in our history right. books. It is a part of, his, of history. And so people can't deny it. And that's why I want to tell the story, because you're looking at the parallels between something that actually already happened and what's happening today. And it starts a conversation where people can be more critical of things that have gone on for the last mm. couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Well, like you've been with PureFlix now for, for many years. Y'all have done several projects mm. together. And it's interesting to see how that sphere has kind of changed over time, how entertainment from a faith-based perspective mm -hmm. has become more widely accepted. We're seeing mm -hmm. movies like Jesus Revolution mm -hmm. really being huge successes of the box office yeah. or The Chosen. I mean, all kinds of different things. Uh, what do you see as the future for the faith-based entertainment industry? It seems to be becoming more mainstream. Do you, do you feel that? I think that we're at a time in, in culture where people are looking for hope. After everything that we've been through the last several years, people are really looking for light and darkness. Yeah. And it's evident in the box office numbers. You can see that, like you mentioned, with Jesus Revolution and the power of the chosen. And the quality of the content has just continued to rise. And that's put us in the mainstream arena because yeah. we can compete and we have the audience and people are coming to see these stories. They're going to that they're going to be able to walk out and feel good about mm. life or find some sort of redeeming yeah. factor in these movies. And we need that. Yeah. We've been through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to have a little more hope in our lives. Yeah. Which is wild. It's just been since 2020 and we're only in 2023, but it seems like it's been. It feels like a decade. Forever. Right. It seems like forever <laughs> and ever. And we do need more of that content. And it's interesting when I go into a movie theater and I see the previews before the movies start. And so many of them are trailers for really dark movies. Mm -hmm. So when there is that breath of fresh air, yeah. it's like something you didn't realize that you needed. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm grateful for the movies that you do with Pure Flix and elsewhere. That um, I appreciate it. Thank you so Thank much for you. taking a few minutes. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for that, Trey. Really interesting conversation with Ashley. She's always a great interview. Uh, that brings us to one last thing today, and the verse is Proverbs 14.23, and it's in light of Melba, the amazing woman who worked for 74 years without missing a day of work. Uh, the verse reads, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And it's just a good reminder to work to your potential, to work hard. And we see that in her life and her legacy is the people she poured into, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, I think it's also it's a, that's a convicting passage because it reminds us that we have to put our money and our, and our action where our mouth is, right? If we're going to say that we believe these things that Scripture tells us to believe and and that the Lord convicts us to to do, if we're going to say these things, we also have to live them out because uh, if we just say them and then we live differently, people aren't going to believe us, right? We need to show that we've been transformed by the Word of the Lord. Amen. I love that, and and we can do that very easily in our day to day on the job. That is all, though, we have today here for the show. If you want a Christian perspective to the news, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and send us your thoughts. You can email us at quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Don't forget to subscribe to the CBN Quick Start email newsletter as well. Lord willing and the creek don't rise. We'll see you back here tomorrow.